Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, welcoming you to this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. Jaya Seeley and I had a wonderful time on retreat with the folks at Mindful Nashville in Tennessee this past weekend. And it reminded me, I have been wanting to share this talk on how things are, which was the talk I gave in that room right before I moved to Oxford. It's based on Suda 46 of the Majima Nikaya called the Mahadama Samadana Sutta. I'll share that with you in just a few moments. First, I want to remind you that if you are considering the retreat I'm doing at Hartwood Refuge with Maureen Hall, it's getting awfully close. Creative practice is spiritual practice, and because there is a need in the world for light as it comes through you, creativity is generosity. Creatives of all types, artists, writers, singers, speakers, parents, or project managers, grapple at times with the human experience of fear, self-doubt, and toxic levels of self-criticism. Mindful awareness allows us to see through delusions of self, let go of fearful self-doubt, to be present with what deserves our attention and compassionate response. Whether we desire to create a piece of music or visual art, a more harmonious family, or a more just world, this retreat, Training the Heart, Lifting Your Voice, offers training that develops mindful awareness, plus the time, space, and support to serve living beings through your gifts. Bring your most important instrument, which is your body, as well as your journal, art supplies, musical instrument, or whatever you use in your creative process. Be sure to bring your willingness to outgrow your current limits. If you'd like to join us, go to the retreats page at heartwoodrefuge.org and register. Again, the title is Training the Heart, Lifting Your Voice. You'll pay your room and board there, which you'll find is very reasonable for that beautiful setting. Any Donna you wish to share for the teachers will be accepted at the end of the retreat, and that part is totally up to you. If you're on the fence about joining me on this retreat, maybe this talk can help you decide what actions to take. Oh, hey, yay, come on in. Glad you made it. <laughs> so, um, some of us yesterday were talking about, I sent out an email, and you may remember this, Mikey, that in the most recent Dharmacharya retreat, Panyawadi was sort of mentioning, going through this list of some of her favorite suttas or ones that she often references. And so that subject had come up uh, yesterday in our workshop with Sushmita. And, um, so I sent out a list of those, but I was reading one of them and I, I really um, 
So I'm gonna share a, a little bit from it, um, just because it really, to me, is so in keeping with, with the heart of even the name of this lineage, the Embracing Simplicity. Um, and the, the nickname, and now I'm gonna have to look up the name of the, of the, uh, of the Sutta, it's the Mahadhamma Samadhana Sutta. Um, and she called it, she called it uh, How to Understand Things. It was sort of the translation of that. So there are a few excerpts, I'm by no means gonna read the whole thing, but there's a few excerpts um, and a few reflections on them. So this is the Buddha addressing his bhikkhus. For the most part, beings have this wish, desire, and longing. And there's a colon, so they have the following, wish, desire, and longing. If only unwished for, undesired, disagreeable things would diminish. <laughs> and wished for, desired, agreeable things would increase. Yet although beings have this wish, desire, and longing, unwished for, undesired, disagreeable things increase for them, and wished for, desired, agreeable things diminish. Now bhikkhus, what do you think is the reason for that? <laughs> I love their response to this. They're like, Venerable Sir, our teachings are rooted in the Blessed One, guided by the Blessed One, have the Blessed One at their resort. It would be good if the Blessed One would explain the meaning of these words. <laughs> Why don't you tell us the reason, they say. Here, bhikkhus, an untaught ordinary person who has no regard for noble ones and is unskilled and undisciplined in their dhamma who has no regard for true men and is unskilled and undisciplined in their dhamma, does not know what things should be cultivated and what should not be cultivated. He does not know what things should be followed and what things should not be followed. Not knowing this, he cultivates things that should not be cultivated and does not cultivate things that should be cultivated. He follows things that should not be followed and does not follow things that should be followed. It is because he does this that unwished for, undesired, disagreeable things increase for him and wished for, desired, agreeable things diminish. Why is that? Because that is what happens to one who does not see. And he goes on to describe the flip side, right? That, that those who are well taught in the Dhamma, um, that learn to uh, avoid those things that uh, lead to unwished for results and to, to cultivate things that lead to desired results um, that, those, that those folks experience, the fruits of their cultivation. And one of the things that just occurred to me just in the last 24 hours, um, since we were you know, with our guests yesterday is the whole idea of cultivation, it just, I can't even remember exactly what brought this up for me this morning, but just the, my thankfulness that cultivation is not a matter of perfectionism. You know, you think about cultivation as gardening and how things grow in nature. And you know, it doesn't have to be like the exact amount right of, amount of rain. It doesn't have to be the exact right amount of sunshine or the exact right, 
You know, and so there's that sense of like, okay, if my intention is to cultivate certain uh, things to lead to certain positive changes that I want, it's not that I have to do it perfectly every time. Um, it's not that, um, you know, it's not that we can never miss that scheduled session of sitting or never um, have a hard time with it. It's cultivation has to do with the direction we're headed. It's not about perfectionism. Um, he also says, Bhikkhus, there are four ways of undertaking things. What are these four? There is a way of undertaking things that is painful now and ripens in the future as pain. There's a way of undertaking things that is pleasant now and ripens in the future as pain. There is a way of undertaking things that is painful now and ripens in the future as pleasure. There is a way of undertaking things that is pleasant now and ripens in the future as pleasure. And then he goes on to describe how people ignorant of this will, will um, which can be any of us at any time, obviously can sort of you know, be like a bull in a china shop in our own lives, um, following along, doing things that, you know, whether they be painful or pleasant now, lead to more pain. And we fail to do those things that being painful or pleasant now could ripen into um, pleasant um, circumstances, pleasant results. Not knowing, not knowing, not understanding things as they actually are, the ignorant one cultivates what is not beneficial and does not avoid it. And because he does so, unwished for things increase for him and wished for things diminish. Why is that? That is what happens to, to one who does not see. So part of what, um, I'm just going to see if there was some other note that I, I think I just wanted to share with you is very vivid, <laughs> very vivid similes for these four uh, ways of undertaking things. Um, and so the one was uh, a bitter gourd mixed with poison. Right, so if someone who was sick and wanted to live, uh, and somebody said, hey, this will help you, but, you know, but it was actually a bitter gourd laced with poison, that not only would it be un the bitterness, it would be unpleasant to eat, but also to lead to unpleasant results. Um, it says, drink from it if you want. If you, as you drink from it, its color, smell, and taste will not agree with you, and after drinking it, you will come to death or deadly suffering. And so that's one set of circumstances. Um, and then, you know, many people are familiar with this scenario. The second way of undertaking things is, suppose there were a bronze cup of beverage possessing a good color, taste, and smell, but it was mixed with poison. Um, so that's another very vivid. Um, and the, here is the one where something is undertaken that is pleasant for pleasant results. Suppose there were fermented urine mixed with various medicines and a man came sick with jaundice and they told him, good man, this fermented urine is mixed with various medicines. Drink from it if you will. As you drink for, from it, its color, smell, and taste will not agree with you. 
but after drinking from it, you will be well. So this is actually, I was listening to a Dharma talk recently about that there are still some of the older, you know, older traditional monks that practice in this way that they, they would use their, some you know, fermented urine of their own when ill, that it is you know, a way of, uh, it is a medicine um, in that culture. So, um, so that's, that's where that reference comes from. And then lastly, suppose there were curd, honey, ghee, and molasses mixed together. And a man with dysentery came and they told him, good man, <laughs> this is curd, honey, ghee, and molasses mixed together. Drink from it if you want. As you drink from it, its color, smell, and taste will agree with you. And after drinking from it, you will be well. And so part of what this points out to me is, yeah, you know, yes, the super simplicity of that. Um, but also it really highlights the Buddha's way of teaching that, um, that neither painful experiences nor pleasant experiences are to be automatically refused. That there needs to be some investigation about what does this lead to. And so, um, you know, we, I was thinking um, yesterday, having Sajmita here, Yesterday, I was telling her later, even though we didn't plan it this way on purpose, but I was saying to her, you know, because um, she and I have been trying to figure out, figure out a time to get her here um, for about a year now, and just, you know, she, she travels a lot, and um, so I was really grateful, but I was telling her when we were visiting at the end of the day that, you know, I think this was the timing worked out really perfectly to have her here because it was so helpful for some of our core group of people in this sangha to, to have this really great teaching experience in this room with somebody who is not me. You know, and just that reminder that it's, that it is, I mean, not that we don't have our own, you know, important connections to each other, but that it is the Dharma that brings us here together and the Dharma that inspires us and it, that, that makes this so nurturing. Um, and so, you know, we have shared together many pleasant experiences that have led to pleasant results, beneficial or if not always pleasant, beneficial results. And whatever mixes of unpleasant and pleasant that we are experiencing with this change, I have a lot of trust that whether it's pleasant or unpleasant on the front end for us, that the results are going to be, I have a lot of trust in that, that the results of those actions for all of us will be, um, you know, in, in a number of ways. Um, because the change allows, allows us to bring in, you know, new folks and to, allow them to experience something here and to offer something here um, because it's a confidence builder, you know, for, um, you know, I've, I've lived in a small town before, so I have some confidence that I can handle this uh, change I'm about to make. Um, but for all of us, a confidence builder specifically in the Dharma that um, for, particularly for those of us that have mostly practiced together for the last five years, 
you know, I'll uh, get to, to be up here fairly regularly, but, um, you know, living down there, I'll get a chance to practice with some folks from a slightly different tradition, even though it's very closely, uh, I, I feel a strong affinity with that, that whole, mag, you know, Plum Village, Magnolia Grove tradition. Um, but, you know, being able to sit with people from there, you know, it's not the same people that I've known. And, um, and so same for you guys. Um, and so, so just recognizing that whatever experiences or ways we feel about that, we want to know that all of it is normal. That all of it is normal. We can be patient with ourselves with all of it. Um, and, um, you know, it's really funny how uh, somebody was saying, you know, well, uh, one of my longtime friends, she was like, you know, I kind of don't feel as upset as I would have thought I would because I know we'll still, you know, I, I know we'll still talk every week. I, you know, I see you stay in touch with your friend that lives in Oregon and listen, you know. And I said, yeah, I mean, you know, you're not obligated to feel bad about me moving away. You know, like, <laughs> you know, it's totally, you know, it, it's not a measure, right? It's not a measure of how much we love each other. You know, it's like, and yes, you're right. We'll still be talking, you know? Um, and so, um, <laughs> so to be, you know, uh, and yet for some of us, just that knowing that it will change things a lot, um, there may be some sorrow and that that's, like a perfectly appropriate to feel as well. I did want to mention, just by way of education, that um, that anyone who wishes is always welcome to stay in contact with me. We can have phone calls, we can have video meetings, whether as individuals or in a, a group thing. Um, somebody had um, somebody was saying something to me earlier this week about. You know, well, I've been trying to think about how to make it worth your while. That's that is not a consideration. I have a job. I don't. You know, that's. I have a job. So, this you know Dharma sharing that we do together. If you want to be in touch with me, you are welcome to call me to for us to. You know, we can have contact. Um, and and that's if there's not um, that. Money issues don't need to be in, don't need to be part of that consideration. Um, so I just wanted to offer you know and, and certainly I don't mean to be resistant to monetary support. That's not what I mean. Um, but I just because I know sometimes it does people good to feel like they want to support that. That's fine. But but I'm just saying there's not there's not anything that wouldn't be worth my while. You know to be, have a chance to hear from people and to. Um, to share Dharma together in our discussion together or just to sit together on video and meditate together and then check in and catch up with each other like that um, would benefit me every bit as much as anyone in this room. So I'll mention that. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.